Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join Derek Gray as he teaches from the Word of God. All right, so welcome everyone. Uh, if you're visiting, this is our regular Wednesday night Bible study. We're making our way through the Sermon on the Mount, and we are in Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. And tonight, uh, we'll finish up a lesson that we started last week uh, entitled, uh, When You uh, Fast. So let's read our verses. Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. It says, When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Now, I said last week when I started this that I didn't want to make any assumptions. In fact, the only thing I wanted to assume was that there's more than likely uh, many of you out there who have never uh, fasted. Uh, maybe you just, for whatever reason, you've just never fasted. You don't really understand it. And so we, we kind of started slow last week. And we re- so I want to tonight just review a couple of things. And the first one is, what is fasting? Well, of course, fasting, most of us, if you know, we're very familiar with the term. It just means going without food for a certain amount of time. You can fast a meal. You can fast two meals. You can fast a day. You can fast multiple days. You can, uh, you know, you can go a week or more. I mean, you know, it's just a, ma- it's a set amount of time that you go without food. Now, as we said last week, if you're unable to fast from food, there are other ways to fast. There are some people for for health reasons, uh, they can't go without food. Uh, there may be some people who, uh, because of their job, they got a, a very physical, strenuous job, they can't go without food. There are other ways to fast. Uh, for example, uh, TV, you can fast from computers, social media, from something you enjoy doing like reading or something like that. So if, if you, you can do that. But let me just say that, this. That there are other ways to fast, but the very meaning and essence of fasting, if you go to Scripture, it's, it's abstaining from food. And so if you can do it, if you're physically able to do it, then um, that's, you know, that's what you should aspire to. But again, if you can't, then there are certainly other ways to do it. Now, as we mentioned last week, fasting is not distinctly Christian. In other words, it's not just something that Christians do. Other religions, in fact, all the major religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism, uh, Islam, they all fast. All the religions fast. In fact, you don't even have to be religious to fast. A lot of people fast nowadays uh, even for health reasons. So fasting is not specific to Christians. So what's the difference with Christian fasting than those other types of fasting. Well, Christians fast not for their health. Christians are not fasting because it's a particular day of the year. 
Christians don't fast because their denomination or somebody tells them that you have to do it at a certain time on a certain day. That's not Christian fasting. Christians fast to focus on seeking God for some specific purpose. Okay, that's the difference of Christian fasting. You are fasting, you're stepping away from food. I like to say it this way, step away from food and step to God. You step away from food, but you're stepping to God for some specific purpose. Now, that's what fasting is. Should we fast as Christians? Um, Unlike giving and praying, as we saw last week, fasting is not explicitly commanded in Scripture. Uh, you go to open the Bible and you see things that, that says pray without ceasing. By everything with prayer and supplication, bring your request to God. Those kind of commands. Uh, give and it shall be given to you. You don't find anything like that when it comes to fasting. There are no scriptures that says you must fast and you must fast on these days and you must fast for a certain amount of time. Nothing like that. So that raises the question, should we fast? Well, We just read tonight's scripture where Jesus said, when you fast. He didn't say, if you fast. He said, when you do it. And then we also have, in addition to that, we have Matthew 9, 15, where Jesus said this, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, talking about himself, and then they will fast. Now, that verse right there in Matthew 9, 15, according to Richard Foster in his book, Celebration of Discipline, is perhaps the most important statement in the New Testament on whether Christians should fast. So, if nothing else, it's obvious from Matthew 6 and Matthew 9 that Jesus absolutely expected that you and I would fast. Now, how often you do it, how long you do it, that is completely up to you. There is nothing in the Bible that says you have to do it so often or how long, nothing like that. That is completely up to you, uh, between you and the Lord, how you, uh, how you do that. Now, that's kind of a quick review. So tonight, I want to I cover five things about fasting. First thing I want to do is, is I want to look at a few things about proper fasting, what proper fasting should look like. Uh, I want to uh, spend majority of the time on reasons to fast. Why, why should we fast as Christians? And then I want to give you some practical tips if you've never done it. Uh, I want to give you some practical tips on fasting. I want to talk a little bit about the rewards of fasting. And then I want to end with a, uh, with a disclaimer. So let's start here. I want to look at five things that should accompany fasting. If we're going to fast as Christians... Here are five things from Scripture that we, we, should, uh, we should always do or not do. For, for example, number one, when you fast, it should be done in secret. Okay, we saw that in tonight's Scripture, Matthew 6, 17 to 18. When you fast, he said, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others. So this is one of the things Jesus is saying. When you do it, it's a personal thing. It's a secret thing. It's between you and God. Now, here's, here's the thing. Just like with giving, you remember what Jesus said about giving? When you give, don't sound like the hypocrites and ring a bell so everybody knows you're giving. Do it over here in secret. When you pray, don't do like the hypocrites. Pray in secret. Now, that does not mean that we don't give in public or pray in public or fast in public. For example, there are going to be times when we may call a corporate fast here at the church. 
and, and Pastor Henry may ask everyone to fast. And in those kind of times, you're going to know that other people are, are fasting. There may be times when you're fasting and you find yourself in a public meeting or a public uh, situation where food is being served and, and somebody's like, man, why ain't you eating? And, you know, you may have to say, well, I'm fasting. I, that, that's not the point. The point is don't do it so that people will see you. It, it, right? Are you, are you with me? It's not, it's not, that it, it's not necessarily wrong doing it in, or for people to know that you're fasting unless you, that's your motivation, is for people to see you. So as a general principle, the majority of our, uh, just like our praying, the majority of our fasting should be private. It should be between us and, and God, okay? So again, it's not, a, it's, you know, it's not you know, anathema or anything like that to be so that everybody knows, but our motivation should, for the most part, always between us and God. Number two is that when we do fast, we should act and look normal. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew six seventeen, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Now, here's the thing. I just want to cover this so that no, everybody's clear. In that day, anointing your head was just a normal thing, right? They didn't have deodorant. They didn't have showers. So they used these fragrant oils. They would anoint themselves with these fragrant oils to kind of cover up the smell, right? So when you cleaned up, you're going out, you would anoint yourself with these, with these oils and stuff. That was just part of your daily uh, grooming. It was a normal act of caring for your body. So basically what he's saying here anoint your head, comb, wash your face, comb your hair, just look normal. Don't go out of your way so that everybody thinks, wow, he's, he's, really, uh, he's really spiritual and, and look at him, he's fasting. Don't do any of that. Look normal so that people actually don't know that you're doing it. The third thing that should always accompany proper fasting is that it should focus on God alone. Notice what Jesus said in verse 18, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but the opposite of that is it will be seen by your Father. Listen, you are fasting for an audience of one. You are fasting for an audience of one. He's the only one that's got to know. He's the only one you're talking to about it. He is the focus of that fast to seek his face for a particular purpose. And if we fast that way, he will reward our uh, faithfulness. The fourth thing, and we mentioned this, uh, that always accompanies a proper fast is it always involves prayer. Um, for example, Acts 13.3, then after fasting and praying, I can't tell you how many times in the Bible when you see the word fasting, you will always see the word praying. Remember, fasting is stepping away from food but stepping to God. You're seeking His face for a specific purpose, so certainly you're going to have to talk to Him. You're going to have to have a conversation with Him. So fasting always, always, always involves prayer. Now, as I said last week, you can certainly pray without fasting, but you cannot fast without praying. Those two are always linked in uh, Scripture. Now, let me say one more thing. Anybody have ever, you ever seen somebody do a, a, a hunger strike in prison? Y'all have read about that, right? Somebody does, uh, t goes on a hunger strike. And the whole point of a hunger strike, the whole point of, of not eating in that case, is to force somebody to do something, right? 
So prisoners will go on a hunger strike, and they want to force the authorities to do something. Listen, a fast is not a way to force God to do anything. You're not going to compel God. You're not going to manipulate God. If that's your motivation, that's the wrong kind of fast. You're not going to get anything. Put it this way. If you go to God and you're fasting and you're asking for something that's out of His will, He's not going to do it just because you're fasting. If you go to God and you say, I, I need something from you, I want something from you, if that's not His will, He's not going to say, well, you know, it ain't my will, but look, man, He's, real, he's serious. I think I'll just give it to Him anyway. No. No, fasting doesn't change God's hearing as much as it changes our praying. That's what fasting is really about us. It's not manipulating him or compelling him to do something that he doesn't want to do. You remember we go back to the Lord's Prayer, and we, we, we studied this over and over again. Prayer is first and foremost about him, his name, his kingdom, his will. There's something about praying with fasting that allows you to see that much more clearly. You got this big need in your life, and you, and you fast, and you go to God in prayer. And all of a sudden, that need don't seem near as big as you thought it was, or near as important. His will seems a lot more important than what you want. Fasting has a way of getting you to that point, uh, that point much faster and much uh, clearer. Number five, the fifth thing that accompanies fasting is that it cannot be separated from obedience in your normal life. Now, here's what I mean. Let me read Isaiah 58, 3 through 7. The people ask God a question. They say this, Why have we fasted and you don't see it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you don't seem to take any knowledge of it? And this is God's answer to the people. He says, Look, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and you oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh see what he's saying here is if you come to him with fasting but over here you're mistreating people and you're not helping people and you're oppressing people god doesn't care anything about that kind that's a hypocritical fast he don't care anything about it so make sure that the other areas of your life are lining up in obedience to his word in addition to the to the fasting okay so just again wanted to point that out all right Let's spend uh, the majority of time I want to spend tonight is on this. Because I think this is probably the biggest question people have about fasting is why should we do it? What are the reasons? What's the purposes for a Christian to fast? So I'm going to give you a few common reasons that are given in Scripture for fasting. The first one is this. We fast to experience more of the presence of Christ in our life. I mentioned earlier Matthew 9.15. You remember we covered it last week, the, the disciples of John come to Jesus and they said, look, we're out over here fasting, the, the Pharisees are out there fasting, but your disciples, they're just eating and drinking. They're not fasting at all. Why? And this is what Jesus said to them. He said, can the wedding guests mourn 
as long as the bridegroom is with them. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. So what he's saying is this, as long as Jesus is fully present, as long as he's fully with them, they can't fast. There's no reason to fast. It's like a wedding. That's, it's a joyous occasion. But once he's taken away, then they will fast. Well, what that tells us right there is the whole point of fasting is that desire to have him back. It's a real desire for more of the presence of Christ in your life. John Piper says it this way, Christian fasting is homesickness for God. It's just a homesickness for God. There's times you go through this life, and, and we say it all the time, you're so caught up in all these trivialities, and it's just you see all the stuff going on, and there's times you just won't, I just need Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need to, I need to feel your presence. I need to know you. I, I need to get above all of this stuff, and fasting is certainly a way to get you there. It's the Christian saying to Jesus, I want more of you. And by the way, let me say this. When I say I want more of you, I don't, I don't necessarily mean some kind of, uh, you know, existential experience. What I'm saying is I, I want more of your kingdom in my life. I, I want more of your, uh, your will in my life, right? That's how we experience him. So, I, I, again, it's about more of the presence of Christ, His kingdom, His will in our life. Listen, as I said earlier, we live in a world that vies for our attention. You just walk out there every day and social media and all the advertising and the television and our family and, and some of it's good, some of it's bad, and everybody's just wanting a piece of you, right? And it's so, so, so easy to neglect the best thing. It is so easy in life to just spend our days and a week goes by and you've given all your time and all your effort and all your attention and all your affection to these trivialities, temporary things, and very little of it to Jesus. It is so easy to do that. Fasting is one of the ways that we keep the main thing the main thing. Fasting is one of those ways that keeps the main thing the main thing. John Piper also said this, which is very convicting to me. If we don't feel a strong desire to fast, it's because we have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Our soul is stuffed with small things, and there is no room for the great. Our soul is stuffed with the small things, and there's no room for the great. So that's the number one reason, and that's kind of, by the way, that's, an, that's really the reason we fast, is for more of Christ, more of his will, more of his guidance, more of his peace, more of his kingdom. All of those things kind of come under that umbrella. Number two, we fast in order to mourn over our sin. Now, if you go to the Old Testament, you see a lot of scriptures like this one. Okay, this is very common in the Old Testament. For example, Joel 2, 12 through 13. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Rend your hearts, not your garments. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. So 
a lot of times in the Old Testament, you see uh, people mourning over their sin. Fasting is about humbling yourself before God. Okay? And that's, that's all over the Old Testament. Now, some people will say, well, that's just Old Testament. We don't have to do that in the New Testament. We're Christians, right? We're, we're different. Uh, we, 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 we should be living a life of joy and, and, and peace and all of that kind of thing. And we shouldn't do that anymore. Or mourning shouldn't be a part of our fasting. But here's the thing. I, I, don't, I don't understand that kind of thinking. Because that kind of thinking is saying, listen, there's not a person here that doesn't have sin in your life, including me. Are we saying that you and I shouldn't have remorse over our sin? Especially if we've got a sin in our life that seems to just uh, have, have control over us that we just can't get rid of. I'm not talking about, you know, a, a little thing we just mess up one day. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something we just keep doing and keep doing and keep doing. Are, you, are we not supposed to be remorseful for that? In fact, I think we are. Jesus 5.4, we studied it in the Beatitudes. He said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. See, there is a place for a Christian to mourn. Mourn over their sin, mourn over their family's sin, mourn over their nation's sin. And for those who will humble themselves and do that in fasting, mourn over their sin, mourn over the sins of others, God will bless them i think unfortunately that too many christians are just too comfortable with sin we don't mourn over it anymore they in fact we just keep eating and drinking instead of stepping away from food to mourn over it we just keep eating and drinking like nothing is wrong by the way what i just said right there should be a description of the world not us because that's exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 24. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when I return. People are just going to be eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage like there's nothing wrong. That shouldn't be a description of us. We should be mourning over our sin and the sins of others. Now that leads us to point number three. <clears throat> we fast to conquer sin and temptation. If there's somebody here and you've got something in your life that you, some kind of sin that just, you just cannot get rid of. Maybe you're a man here and it's pornography. Maybe you've struggled with pornography for years. And by the way, you might think, well, this is a church. I've seen surveys that said half the men in, in churches struggle with pornography. If it's something like that, if it's, if it's gossip, if it's pornography, if it's anything like that, I want, you to, I want you to listen up. I want you to listen up. There is only one recorded instance in Scripture of Jesus fasting. Just one. In fact, most commentators believe he didn't fast very much at all. Um, in fact, remember what they said about him uh, when they was criticizing? They said they called him a glutton. He was known for eating and drinking, not fasting. So we've got one recorded uh, example of Jesus fasting, and you know what it is. It happens right after his baptism, right after John has baptized him in the River Jordan, and he is uh, beginning his public ministry. It tells us this in Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry and the tempter came. Now, I want you to, this is really interesting to me. Notice the only reason, the, the purpose that he was led into the wilderness was to be tempted, right? That's the whole point of being led. But he first fasts for 40 days and then the tempter comes. So you can tell from that the whole point of the fasting was to get him ready. The, the whole point of the fasting was, was a preparation for the temptation to come. And by the way, the, the temptation that's going to come, the test, is going to be one that's going to prepare him for a three-year ministry that is going to rock the world. It's going to rock the world. So he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He fasts for 40 days and for 40 nights, and then the devil comes. And notice it says, with three simple words, you talk about the understatement of, of the year. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Well, he was more than hungry. Um, you, you got, do you understand how physically weak he would have been after 40 days and 40 nights? Physically, how physically... Out, by the way, he's not, he's, not going, he's not sleeping on a Serta, right? I mean, he's out in the woods, fasting, nothing to eat, sleeping on the ground, getting sun, sun on him, rain on him. I mean, after 40 days, he is, very simply, he's hungry, but he is weak. He's as weak as he's ever been from a physical standpoint. And at that point, at that point, when, when physically he's weak, that's when the devil comes. And the devil comes, and he offers him alternatives to God's plan. He offers him compromises that would satisfy his natural desires. He, he attacks his very identity, if you are the Son of God. By the way, those are the same three things that Satan does to us. He's always given you an alternative. Well, you don't have to do it that way. I know the Bible says that. But you don't have to do that. God will understand. Just, just do it this way. He offers us compromises, and he's always attacking our identity. Every time you question, man, am I really saved? Is this really true? Does he really love me like that? Do I really have those? Always, always attacking your identity as a child of God. And at that very weakest time when he undergoes that test, notice what he does. He uses the Word of God, not his own strength, not his own abilities, but he uses the word of God to defeat those temptations. You see, at the end of that 40 days of fasting, although he is physically weaker than he's ever been, spiritually he is stronger than he's ever been. See, that is one of the things that a fast will do. Anybody that's ever done it, you may get weaker physically, but you will be as strong as you've ever been from a spiritual standpoint. In fact, watch what it says, Luke four thirteen to 14. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time, and Jesus returned in what? In the power of the Spirit. You want the power of the Spirit? You fast. You want to defeat that temptation that's got a hold on you, that, 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 that thing, that sin that you just cannot get out of your life? Fast. Step away from food and step to God. And you watch what he'll do. You see, now Jesus, after 40 days of fasting, he's in the power of the Spirit. He's conquered temptation. Now he's ready to go. He's ready to fulfill that purpose 
which God has for him. And by the way, for the next three years, he'll never rely on his humanity. He'll never rely on his physical gifts, his physical talents, his intellect, any of those things. He's going to do it all in the power of the Spirit. And he learned that through fasting. How many of us, how many of us, we, I, 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 I just got to try harder. I can break this thing. I just got to be more disciplined. I can break this thing. We try all these physical ways, but have we tried it in the power of the Spirit? Have we tried it in the power of the Spirit? That's where fasting will get you. You see, fasting was for Jesus a way to master his human nature. He mastered it. And he set the example. This is what Paul says in Romans 8 9. You and I are not in the flesh, but we're in the Spirit, if indeed we are children of God. We should be walking in the Spirit, and fasting is certainly a way to help you do that. This leads us to number four, and that is we fast to develop self-control. Um, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 26. Let me read this. Paul says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So do not run aimlessly. So I do not run aimlessly. I don't box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now listen, let me make sure you understand what I'm not saying. I am not saying that fasting is the only way for you and I to develop self-control. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. We, by the way, we should, we should practice self-control 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, right? As Christians, we should always practice. You're not always going to fast. So it's not, it's not the way you practice self-control. It's not only people who fast that can practice self-control. Okay, so I, I want to make sure I'm not, I, I, it's, not a, it's not all about that. But what I am saying is that fasting can help us develop self-control. If you struggle with it, it can certainly help you develop. There are certain Christians who develop certain habits over time, and they just find them impossible to break. And let me tell you, if you got something in your life, even if it's good, and you can't do without it, then you're a slave to that thing. That thing's controlled. Your, your pleasure's controlling you instead of you controlling your pleasures. Fasting teaches self-control. If you've never done it, you've never tried it, you'll see very quickly. It teaches you how to control your pleasures and, again, not let them have control over you. The fifth reason we fast is we fast when we need God to show up. Now, I just kind of put this as a as a general thing, right? There are times in our life where we just need God to show up. I, we just, I need Him to show up. Now, it can be for a lot of different reasons. For example, it, it may be a case where you're fixing to go do something and you just need God's protection. That's one reason to fast, believe it or not. Ezra 8 says this, Ezra says, Then I proclaim to fast that we might humble ourselves before God to seek from Him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and our goods. So we fasted and implored our God for this, and he listened to our entreaty or our request. 
Now, again, you're not, I'm not, you don't fast before you go to town, let's be honest, okay? I'm not talking about that. But if you've got something particularly dangerous ahead of you, particularly risky, then, then certainly you need God to show up, and uh, th- that's one way to do it. We see this also in Esther 4.16. If you remember the story of Esther, she's going to go before the, the king. That's against the law. Anybody that enters into the king, uh, goes before the king without being uh, called will be put to death. And she's already made her decision, I'm going to go do it. And she said this, go gather together all the Jews and Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do, and when it's done, I'll go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I die, I die. So she's entering into a very dangerous situation, and she fasts. We certainly fast for God's guidance, God's wisdom, God's revelation, things like that. Judges 20, 26 to 27, Then all the people of Israel, the whole army, went up and came to Bethel and wept, and they sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening, and the people of Israel inquired of the Lord. Sometimes we fast before God when we don't even know what to ask for. We just need God to show up and tell us what to do. We see this in Acts 13, 2 through 3. It says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So they're just, they're just fasting. They're before the Lord as a, as a body of people, as elders. And uh, they're, they're worshiping God. They're fasting. And the Holy Spirit just shows up and says, take Barnabas and Saul. They're going on a mission trip. And by the way, that was a mission trip that changed the world. It changed the world. And, uh, and it happened because they were fasting. Finally, number six, we fast in preparation for ministry or some great task. Acts 14, 23, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had uh, believed. In other words, you need something from God. You need, you need guidance. You need wisdom. You need protection. You need peace. You need go before him. Get before his face. Step away from food. Step to uh, God. I want to close with a few practical tips for fasting. Again, I know some of you here have done it, and, and this will be uh, you know, a, probably a little redundant for you, but just in case you never have and you would like to, uh, to try it, I want to give you a few, a, few, a few practical tips for those that are fasting from food. Uh, it should go without saying, but let me say it anyway. Uh, you want to start slow, okay? Uh, don't try to do a 40-day right out of the gate. Okay, that, that probably would not go very well. Uh, if you want to try it, try skipping a meal or, or two. Uh, after that, you can expand it a little bit, but, but start slow, okay? Just start slow. Uh, if you've never done it, you're going to have some side effects, okay? For those of you that love your sweet tea and you love your coffee, and you love your caffeine, you're going to have a headache, all right? Just, just be ready for that, okay? It's coming. Um, your body has to adjust. Everything's different, and, and uh, different people experience different things like fatigue. But those normally don't last that long, um, you know, a couple days, and, and you'll, you'll come out of that. Start slow. Number two, uh, the practical thing is decide what type of fast you're going to do because there are different types of fast. There is in the Bible something known as the Daniel uh, fast. It comes from Daniel 2, 
Daniel chapter 10, verses 2 through 3. It says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. So this is a fast where evidently he ate bread. He ate vegetables. But he didn't eat, he didn't drink any wine, he didn't have any delicacies, no dessert, anything like that, and he had no meat. And that's what's known as a, uh, as, as a Daniel fast. Now, I've never done one of those. I don't really know much about them. But that could be something, for example, somebody that has to work a, a more of a physical job and they don't feel comfortable going completely without food. Uh, maybe they do something like a Daniel fast where they're getting some nutrients, uh, but they're not going uh, completely cold turkey. Uh, you can, of course, abstain from food. Uh, but maybe you still drink something like juices. A lot of people will uh, go on a fast uh, and abstain from food, but they'll drink like fruit juices and things like that so that they're at least getting some nutrition, uh, especially if you're going uh, on a a little bit longer uh, fast of multiple days. And then, of course, you can abstain from everything but water. Um, which, again, is a, a pretty typical fast. Now, there are some out there, and I put an asterisk by this. Uh, I've never done it, but there are those who would fast from food and water. Now, obviously, if you're going to do that, it, it should be short, right, because you can't go long without water. And, uh, and, and, it, and it should go without saying, for those of you that are up in age or you got other health issues, <laughs> If you're going to fast, you know, if you got any questions at all, make sure you, you know, talk to your doctor and make sure there's no, no issues with that right there. Number three, number one, start slow. Number two, decide what kind of fast you're going to do. Number three, listen, be clear about your purpose. This is the number one thing to me. Be clear about your purpose. Um, Donald Whitney said this, and I will 100% agree. Without a purpose, fasting can be miserable. There are times, and I've done it, there are times that I, somebody else had a purpose to fast. And they come to you and they say, hey, (laughs) will you fast with me? And you say, yeah, I will, but it ain't your purpose. And that is a miserable way to fast. Okay? You need a purpose. You need to have a reason, something you're getting before God. Remember, Christian fasting is abstaining for a purpose. So what is your purpose? What, what are you going to God about? Is it just more of Him? Is there something specific in your life that you're, that you're, that you're going to be asking about? Listen to Colossians 3, 1 through 2. You all know this scripture. This is how we should live our life, by the way. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. That's how we should walk 24-7, looking above, not on things of the earth. Our focus is above. I put that out there because focus, when you fast, make sure you know your purpose and you focus on your purpose because you're going to need it when those hunger pains come. You're going to need to remind myself, this is why I'm doing it. This is the goal. This is where I'm going. Um, Make sure you've got a purpose. Finally, uh, the fourth thing, it's very simple, but... Go ahead and decide how you're going to spend your time. Remember, the, the, the whole point of fasting is the time you're spending away from food should be used to, to spend with God. Um, several years ago, many years ago, I was working up in town, 
and I was doing a fast, and uh, there was a park nearby. And so what I would do every day at lunch, instead of going to the cafeteria or getting in the car and going to a restaurant, every day at lunch, I would just walk and pray. So you take that time that you would be fasting, and you spend that time with God. Praying, worshiping, reading your word, whatever you're doing. But make sure that you, you, know, you, you, you make time for that, because that's the whole uh, that's the whole point. A couple of real quick things, and then I'll close. What can you expect, or what can those who fast expect from God? Listen, anybody who's ever fasted um, is going to tell you it's hard, I assume. I mean, I'm, I, it's always been hard for me, I, and everybody I talk to, it's always hard. But those same people will also tell you that it's worth it. If you've got that purpose and you're, you're, you spend that time focusing on God, I can guarantee you that the sacrifices are worth the rewards. And the reward is a promise. It's promised to you. Look what Jesus said. When you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others but by your Father. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Might not. And he doesn't say he might reward you. Or perchance, he, you know, no, he will reward you. So how he's going to do that, that's up to him. I'm not going to tell you anything, but he will reward you. All right, I close with this. I don't often do this, but this is how I'm going to close. I get up here all the time and I teach. And for the most part, things that I teach, when I'm done, I feel really good about it. I feel like, man, I explained that as best I could. It was clear as I could make it. I've spent two weeks in fasting, and I'm still not 100% convinced that I've explained it good or explained it well. And I, I really str- I kept going back to the Bible this week. What am I, am I missing something here? Is there something else I need to tell them to, to kind of make this all clear in my mind? And I just couldn't come up with anything. And I finally realized, oh, and it's this freezing right here because you, fasting, it's just it's something that's really, honestly, it's kind of hard to explain. It's just kind of hard to explain. Going without food somehow helps you to overcome sin and develop self-control and, and get closer to God. And, and Really? But see, I think fasting is something you learn by doing, not by studying. Fasting is you really want to learn about fasting, you have to do it. You have to do it. And then God, you'll, you'll see what it's all about. It's just very difficult to be. It's just one of those subjects in the Bible, and there's not many, but I think it's just one of those that uh, it's difficult to explain. But then once you do it, you're like, oh, uh, I get it. So, again, if you have any questions about uh, fasting, Pastor Henry's sitting right back here on the, the seat. He would be glad to answer. Uh, anything that you've, uh, you've got, he'll be, he'll be sure for that. Let's pray. Father... Lord, we love you. We thank you for this beautiful discipline of fasting. And Father, we uh, regret, we repent, Father, of not practicing this more in our life because it is a gift from you. And we're sorry that we spend so much time on temporary things. We spend so much time uh, on, on on our pleasures, God, and it's so difficult to step away from them and step to you. And we we're sorry for that. And so, God, I just pray in the days to come that, Holy Spirit, for those here that 
uh, might have a, you just put a desire in them to learn more about fasting, not just by studying, not just by reading, but by actually doing it. And I pray if there's anyone here tonight that's got a stronghold of sin in their life, a stronghold of sin in their life, then Jesus, Jesus, I ask you, I ask you that quite possibly it could be through fasting that you want to strengthen them and bring them to the point where you can deliver them. That would be an awesome testimony. What a testimony that would be to come out of these Wednesday night services. So, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to do what you do. I leave it with you. The, 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 the word has gone out. The request has gone out. God, you take care of it from here, and we'll give you the glory for any uh, testimonies that come out of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Henry? Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.